If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I, I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. Oh, that's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. You ever feel like you're in a novel? Like we're, we're in one of these weird, cliche, kind of hacky political intrigue novels with the dirty consultants and the shadow government and everything else. Doesn't it feel like that now? It feels like that to me. We had four years of a, a, a rebellion from within the government. Is that fair against Donald Trump? All the cultural institutions of society getting introduced to some new guy, and they were just horrified. And so everybody, everyone joined together to purge the guy. The entire Democratic Party, half the Republican Party, the FBI, 
the military. Don't forget about Alexander Vindman, the entertainment, education, the whole, the whole system. Just like, oh, who is this icky? We have to purge him out of here, which was creepy. It was all it was all coming from inside the house. It was all, it's all coming from the inside. So that alone was creepy enough. And then we have this election. And I hate to use the word Orwellian because it is so overused now. And I'll be frank, I don't read. But Orwellian, that's what it was. We have this guy, Donald Trump, uh, admittedly a, a bit brash, vulgar, going to turn some people off, no question about that. I've been called brash, like that's fair. But a bit brash and turn some people off, but by any measure, by any measure, wildly successful economy, renegotiating trade deals, foreign policy successes. We don't even talk about the, the defeat of ISIS and stuff like that. I mean, just just success after success after success. And he's running against... Joe Biden. Joe Biden can't talk. The man running for president of the United States, an important political position, can't talk. And not only can Joe Biden not talk, it's very clear he's physically and mentally going backwards. Whatever, whatever it is. I don't, I don't know what he has. I don't know what he doesn't have. He ain't going forward. I promise that much. He's going backwards. Even Diana does the shuffle thing now and whatnot. Okay, so you have that. And that alone is weird. That, that you would nominate that person to lead your party. And then Joe Biden picks Kamala Harris to be his vice presidential nominee. There's no explanation for it to this day, unless he only picked her before the gender and color of her skin thing. There's no explanation for Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris joined the Democratic primary and even Democratic primary voters recoiled in horror. Her numbers just went like this. She's just and this is for once, I'm genuinely not trying to be mean. There are people out there who are likable and relatable. And there are people out there who aren't. And that may be how God made you. Maybe it was an upbringing thing. But you know people like this. And that's not a judgment. There are guys who can be a car salesman and make a fortune. And then there are people you can't hold a conversation with. They're just, there's nothing appealing there. That's Kamala Harris. Everybody, even Democrats, look at Kamala Harris and go, oh, gosh, no, no. She dropped out of the primary before they ran the numbers in her own state, before the primary in her own state of California, because she was going to get killed and embarrassed in her own state. And Joe Biden, or somebody around Joe Biden, surveys the field and says, you know, that's mine. Found my candidate. <laughs> it's, it's all so weird. And then on top of all that, you have Pudding Brain Joe, and unlikable Kamala, and they win? Or whatever you think about the election, now they won. They beat the guy with all the accomplishments, and now they won. And it's all going exactly as people on the right said it was going to go. Joe Biden, obviously, as you saw from the press conference we played you, Joe Biden can't handle the job. He can't answer basic questions. He can't even walk properly. His wife leads him around and does the interviews with him half the time. And Kamala Harris, 
Kamala Harris is already taking phone calls with other world leaders by herself, meaning Joe Biden's not even there. Oh, yeah, hey, uh, tell Vladimir I told him, hey. You understand how weird that is even for other world leaders, right? I mean, you talk to the guy on your same level. Number one talks to number one, period. That, that's how that's supposed to work. What are you thinking if you're prime minister of this or president of that, and they're on the phone and it's, it's the vice president? Why? It's all so odd that we can all see what's happening right in front of us. And you think to yourself, can't everyone see like what's happening here? But everyone can see. And then Joe, mouth hanging open, Joe, of course, creates a crisis on the border with his mouth, like all the Democrats do. Oh, we are so nice to illegals. We're going to be the nicest people to illegals anywhere. Look, we're not even gonna, we're not even going to separate kids. Kids, you're going to be well taken care of. We are nice. So, of course, everybody just floods the border and they don't have the facilities. They don't have the resources, the manpower to deal with a surge like this. It just doesn't exist. So we have a crisis on our hands, right? Well, Joe, just, uh, where's Kamala? Kamala, can you take over? I can think of nobody who, uh, who's better qualified to do this than a former, this is a woman who ran the second largest attorney general's office in America after the U.S., after the United States attorney general in the state of California, and has uh, done a great deal upholding human rights, but also uh, fighting organized crime in the process. So. It's not her full responsibility and job, but she's leading the effort because I think the best thing to do is to put someone who, when he or she speaks, they don't have to wonder about, is that where the president is? When she speaks, she speaks for me, doesn't have to check with me. She knows what she's doing, and I hope we can move this along. Okay. So the big issue right now, uh, can, can Kamala handle it? I've, I've got to go eat some pudding. They even said, remember that bizarre internal memo that you're no longer allowed to call it the Biden administration? It now has to be called the Biden-Harris administration. And Biden, given his mental issues, continues, this has happened more than once, continues to say the quiet part out loud. Now, when President Harris and I took... uh a virtual tour of a vaccination center in Arizona not long ago. Hmm. President Harris. Hmm. That's weird. I, it's not what I had on my sheet. <laughs> I, I'm, and you know, I didn't make fun of him for the falling up the stairs thing, and I won't, I, because I don't like watching old people fall down. But let's be honest. Combined with everything else, and look, just, that in and of itself is not a big deal, but combined with everything else, People are going to start asking questions. What What is going on? Do we have a fully functional adult as president of the United States? And remember, he wouldn't do a press conference forever. Waited 65 days. And he finally does one. And this is how it went. I'm going to say something outrageous. I have never been particularly poor at calculating how to get things done in the United States Senate. So the best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to, anyway, I've, 
we're going to get a lot done. And if we have to, if there's complete lockdown and chaos as a consequence of the filibuster, then we'll have to go beyond what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, hang on. Uh, sorry. Oh, Ms. Kim. Isn't it weird? Do you see what I mean now? It, it's like some hacky political scandal show you'd be watching at 10 o'clock at night when you have insomnia. It just like it, Everything's so ham-fisted, but we're living in it. That's what's wild. This is real. That is the president of the United States of America. That is the leader of the free world. This man, this man here, this is your president. The vast majority of economists, left, right, and center, from Wall Street to the to the private private uh, 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 economic uh, polling initiatives, the economists, as I said, left, right, and center. Thank you, thank you, and I'm happy to take questions if that's what I'm supposed to do, Nance. Whatever you want me to do. I just want to thank you both, and I want to thank the. the the uh, former general, I keep calling him general, but my, my, uh, the guy who runs that outfit over there. The defense secretary, that outfit over there being the Pentagon. And you know I don't do conspiracy theories. Well, actually, that's not fair. To be true, I love conspiracy theories. I just don't generally believe in them. And it's not because I don't think there aren't ugly forces out there. I just think people love to do this way too much. Believe it or not, with, I do, with what I do for a living, I'm like the only person in the United States of America that can actually keep secrets. People just love to do this. So conspiracies get out. But people keep telling me, they keep bringing up what Nancy Pelosi did about the 25th Amendment. Remember when Nancy Pelosi said this about the 25th Amendment? This is not about President Trump. He will face the judgment of the voters. But he, he shows the need for us to create a process for future presidents. The 25th Amendment creates a path for preserving stability if a president suffers a crippling physical or mental problem and is, unquote, in the amendment, unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office. She even came out and said, this is not about Trump. But look, we're just going to bring out the 25th Amendment if anything should happen in the future. It gets the conspiracy theory tiny part of my brain running. Do they have a plan? Because it sure seems like they want Kamala Harris in sooner rather than later. And let's be honest. We've all made the weekend at Bernie's jokes about, about Joe Biden being carried around. You know, just, just using him like a puppet out there. But the truth is, you can't cover that up. Even our disgusting media can't cover that up for this long. Did you, did you see those reporters in the press conference speaking loud and slow like talking to the child? Joe, do you want to do something about the border? Come on, we can all see it. But it's weird, isn't it? I think it is. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. We got a great special for you today. Hang on.
Who can forget this lovely video from Kamala Harris? And before you watch this, I want you to understand something. There is no word in America today that is doing more to rot this culture out from underneath us than equity. Equity, that concept of we have to pay for the sins of the past. And people who didn't have sins committed against them have to be paid for said sins. Remember this video? So there's a big difference between equality and equity. Equality suggests, oh, everyone should get the same amount. The problem with that, not everybody's starting out from the same place. So if we're all getting the same amount, but you started out back there and I started out over here, we could get the same amount, but you're still gonna be that far back behind me. It's about giving people the resources and the support they need so that everyone can be on equal footing and then compete on equal footing. Equitable treatment means we all end up at the same place. And you can put all the fancy music and cartoons behind that you want. That is called communism. Joining me now to talk about equity and other things, somebody who's actually out there doing something about it, and he's been fighting for us for a long time, Governor Scott Walker. He's also the president of the Young Americas Foundation. Governor, thank you for coming on. Equity is a detestable word. Well, it is, and this is what we're battling against, Marxism. You know, they tried to do this deck back decades ago, even before I was born. It failed because in America, we don't have a class-based society. Anyone, you know, you can be the poorest of the poor and, and achieve greatness in life, be it in business or government anywhere else, because we don't pit one class versus another like other nations do. Marxism failed before, but sadly, they're coming at it back again this time less based on uh, income and more based on race and sex and gender. Again, they're the ones trying to pit one group of Americans against the other. We're not. We say freedom opportunities available for everyone. And uh, that's a message that has to resonate, particularly with our young people on college campuses and even younger. And that's what I'm doing with this long game proposal. And I'm glad, please explain your proposal because we scream every single night about it's about the youth. It is about the next generation. And America's cultural Marxists, they knew that. And that's why they've poisoned so many young people to think this way. And now these young people are CEOs. These young people are senators. They're out there. They've, this is the pipeline. What are you doing? Yeah, you're right. We're under siege, not only on our campuses, but in our culture and our communications with the censorship we see from big tech. And this didn't happen overnight. The left has been at it literally for decades. We've got to have a game plan, not just to win the battle of the day, but really the war for the heart and soul of our republic. So what we've got is a long-term plan. It's a 12-point action plan that starts right away to get into every campus in America, to not just be on college campuses, but to be with high school, junior high, and where needed, even elementary school students and their parents to help not just students, but professors and teachers and others who are not just conservative, but many who are just objective and want to teach the truth, but feel just as marginalized and intimidated as many of our students do. So this is a long-term plan. We call it the long game. People can get a free copy of it at yf.org slash the long game, and we'll long game, and we'll get that to them uh, so they can be a part of helping us find these students and get to work. And I would encourage anybody to support this. You've never heard me tell you to go support something. That's just not something I do. Support this. Without the youth, 
We have nothing. Without the next generation, we have nothing because, like I said, this is filtering into society. Governor, what do we tell teachers? One of the biggest emails I get is from public school teachers, which I admit I'm not a big government school guy, but I get government emails from government school teachers all the time who feel like you and I do, but feel like they're going to lose their job in about half a second if they voice that. How do we protect them? Well, certainly we've got their back. It's something I know well because the battles I took on personally are very much like they're going through it right now with the big government union bosses coming for me a decade ago, first in the Capitol, then in the recall. We prevailed, and I believe our, our students and our teachers and our professors who share those same beliefs can as well. But one of our, our points in this 12-point action plan, the long game, is about supporting college professors and high school and junior high teachers who feel marginalized and again, not just conservative teachers who share abuse, but even just those, I mean, I'll just take an objective teacher. I'll just take somebody who just wants to present the facts. And right now they're feeling marginalized. So we're gonna give them support. We're gonna give them curriculum. We're gonna give them alternatives to the textbooks that all too often are telling a lie about even great icons like Ronald Reagan. I remember when my, my son, Matthew, who's now 26, came home uh, from class one day in a government run school. He actually had a good teacher, tried to be fair, but the textbook he had talked about how Reagan's tax cuts caused the deficits in the 1980s. That's absurd. That's just the opposite. Reagan's tax cuts actually brought more revenue in. It was Tim O'Neill and the House Democrats that spent it and some to add to the deficits, but that was exactly the sort of counter uh, we've got to make to say, hey, if you're an objective teacher, if you're a conservative teacher, here's the materials, here's the background, here's the support you need to stand up against the lies. Governor, what are you telling a parent right now who is worried about their kids going to public school, worried about their kids going to college? And I mean, understandably worried with the insanity that's taught there. Are you telling them, yank them out, trade school, homeschool, private school, just, just try to talk to them when they get home? What's, what's the advice you give? All the above. If the right situation, a great private school, if they've got the chance and the means, it's wise governor. I expanded parental choice all across the state of Wisconsin. If they can go to a technical school, that's an area where we're trying to expand not beyond just traditional undergraduate programs, but actually be in our two-year associate and, and technical college programs. Uh, but I'd say just don't completely concede and give up the government-run schools. We need people to step up and get involved, not just as parents, but to run for the school board, to push back in advisory councils. And uh, it's all the more reason why we're doing the long game, because we know we've got to reach students at every campus, whether it's government-run or private. We can't concede any area in America. We want to reach a million more students. We uh, Just in, in our activities and our, our programs, we want to have a voice on every campus, not just half right now that we've got about 2,000. We want to be on all 4,000 campuses. And we know we've got to find ways to reach students even beyond just the classroom. And so we want to reach, have a billion views on our YouTube page with all the content that gives them not only speakers, but the way to respond to radicals, whether it's teachers or professors or just fellow students. And so I'd say to parents, join us. Go to yf.org slash long game. See how your son or daughter can be a part of this. We need to sign them up. There's strength in numbers. I know for both of my kids, particularly my youngest who went to the University of Wisconsin, which is about like hanging out with Pravda uh, in terms of the Soviet Union, but he came out stronger. Why? Because of groups like YAF, College Republicans, Students for Life. We're going to bond together with all those groups and recapture our campuses and our schools. Governor Scott Walker, thank you so much, sir. I appreciate you. My pleasure. Good to be with you.
Without the schools, we have nothing. Without the schools, unless we take back the education of our kids, none of the rest of this matters. We'll be back. I look forward to this one. There, there, there are a lot of people I look forward to talking to in this business. Probably nobody more than my buddy John Phillips of the John Phillips Show on the great KABC Los Angeles. John, I, I, I said in the beginning of the show that if you were to lay out everything, you know, Trump's success and then the senile president and then the senile president who picks the vice president that nobody likes, even Democrats, and, th- and, and that guy wins the election and now he can't function and she's terrible. It seems like a hacky political drama you'd see on a low-end cable news channel at like 11 o'clock at night when you're surfing the channels. It doesn't seem real. Well, I think the spotlight is certainly going to be on her. For the first time, I'm now mm. convinced that Hunter Biden is going to outlive Joe. Uh, so that means a huge, <laughs> huge upgrade for Kamala coming up in the future. Um, look, I, I think she's in a very, very, very strange place now because they are putting her in charge of the border, which is the biggest failure that the Biden administration has had on their watch so far. It's indicated in the polling. It's indicated in just, you know, how how dire the situation is down there. And she is going to be in over her head and it, she's going to screw this up more than it's already screwed up. And this is going to be to Kamala Harris what health care was for Hillary Clinton when she was first lady. They think that this is going to be the, the, the you know, huge feather she needs in her cap. But what it's going to be is it's going to be an anchor that's tied to her to her legs. John, I'm glad you brought this up because I have a theory and it's just a theory and I, I'm probably wrong. But this is a theory I have. It didn't make sense to me when Joe Biden told her to take over the border, because not only, as you pointed out, is it the scandal of the administration right now? It's not a scandal Democrats are actually able to fix. It's not possible because they would have to completely change their, oh, immigrants are welcome rhetoric, and they won't do that. They'd have to change their enforcement, and they won't do that. They'd essentially have to go turn into Donald Trump, and they won't do it. The, the, the cynical part of me says Joe Biden did this or someone in Joe Biden's camp did this on purpose because they're trying to torpedo Kamala Harris. You buy that at all? Well, I, I certainly think there's no love lost. I mean, go back to that primary where she essentially called Joe Biden David Duke. Um, you know, Biden may be <laughs> over it, did. but, uh, you know, Dr. Jill Biden uh, may not have forgiven all quite yet. Um, I I don't think they're actively trying to sabotage her. I just think that they think that she's smarter than she is. And they think that this, she comes from a border state. She comes from a place where, you know, immigration has been fought not just on the federal level, but at the state and local level ever since she came up through the ranks. And they, they have this false belief that she has some kind of expertise on this and she'll be able to solve the problem. They have no plan, though. I mean, that's that's where where this stems from. Um, they believe in amnesty. They believe in open borders. Um, but if you go down to Cabo for a vacation, they want you to have a COVID test showing that you're negative. They don't want you to, as a U.S. citizen, to be able to enter the country that you are a citizen of unless you can prove that you don't have it. 
Yet we have how many thousands of people showing up at the border who are testing positive for COVID-19. It cuts at every single one of their arguments on all of these other subjects. And I, I just don't see this being anything other than a career-ending disaster for her. I don't either. And I do have to ask about her time in California as a big shot, you know, law enforcement officer there in California. In all seriousness, obviously, everybody knows California struggles with illegal immigration, like most of the other border states. How was she then? What did she do then? Not, she did nothing? Surely she had to be involved in some way. Well, you really have to look at her tenure as district attorney of San Francisco because people look at the attorney general job in California and they assume that you have power over things like crime and punishment and that sort of thing. Um, the, the attorney general in California essentially prosecutes environmental law and they write the title and summary for ballot initiatives and they take over prosecutions whenever there's a conflict of interest at the local level. But outside of that, they really don't have much to do with actual crime as, as we think of it. When she was in San Francisco, she originally ran for that job to the right of the incumbent because the incumbent was so far to the left, he was essentially refusing to prosecute anyone. And so she positioned herself as the tough on crime prosecutor. Now, when she got there, she, she governed more like a typical San Francisco liberal uh, than certainly how she campaigned, but she is whatever she has to be. She's very malleable, which makes her dangerous because what she wants is an accumulation of power. And what she does with that power could change at any given moment, but the goal is the power in and of itself. Who are the people around her we need to have our eyes on, John? Are we all, I mean, because there were so many things written about, you know, someone like Barack Obama when he was coming up, we had a pretty good idea of the nutballs he was going to put around him that we needed to keep our eyes on and find out about. I'd never hear anybody. I don't know anything. I do this for a living. I don't know anything about Kamala Harris's inner circle. Does she have one? Well, she had one in California that centered around Willie Brown and that political machine, but but from what I'm told, she is yes, she, she has moved on, um, and she won't return Willie's phone calls anymore. Um, the person who is really calling the shots, I believe, in the Biden administration is Susan Rice. Uh, Susan Rice has her protégés sprinkled all through this administration. And people say, oh, it's the old Obama people, the old Obama. No, it's, it's Susan Rice specifically. And I'm told that, that Kamala has to have a once a week lunch with Susan Rice so Susan can explain foreign policy to her. Um, which means that there, there can be no love lost between Kamala and Susan Rice. But Susan Rice is the puppet master. Susan Rice is the one who's calling a lot of these shots. Oh, tell me about Susan Rice. That's not that as if I don't know who she is, but I think a lot to a lot of people, they can maybe picture her face, but they don't really understand who this woman is, what this woman comes from, because you're not the first person, for the first insider to tell me this is the woman pulling a lot of the puppet strings. Yeah, well, she came from the Obama administration. She was um, a big foreign policy voice in that administration, national security advisor. Now she's in a different role where she's supposed to be in charge of domestic policy. But her people, her protégés, are in charge of the foreign policy of this country. So she has their ears. She's got Biden's ear. And don't forget, she was also on the short list to be vice president when, when, when President Biden said that um, the vice president would be a woman, and then that changed to a black woman. She was one of the three finalists who was being vetted. And now she's got the best of both worlds. She has all the power, but she never had to put her name on the ballot and have to go through all the, all the turmoil that a candidate would have to go through, all the scrutiny.
John, how long do you give this whole Biden thing? We've all made jokes about it. No, I give him a few months. I give him a year. And full disclosure, I, I have always said I think they give him a year. A year helps them save face, doesn't make it look so obvious. And then they kind of, you know, he has a health episode and, and politely steps down and gives it to Kamala Harris. But man, I... I thought that press conference conference was actually going to go okay the other day. Dude, that was really, really bad. And it looked really bad. There's no saving that. Yeah, and you could also tell that his staff has zero faith in his abilities, um, which makes any figurehead, which makes them look bad um, under the best of circumstances. Um, I long thought that he would be able to, to finish the, the four years and the people around him would love for that to happen because they can have the power without any of the any of the liability that comes with actually being the one in charge. I don't think he's going to make the full four years. Um, one of the questions that was asked was, are you going to run for re-election? And I'm thinking, in four years, he's not going to need to run for re-election. In four years, the only thing he's going to need is for someone to mow above him once a week. Uh, you know... Don't you find this a bit sad that that uh, that he is deteriorating so fast in office? And look, I don't wish any harm, obviously, on the president of the United States of America. That's the last thing I want. But he's spending like these last few years of of being relatively lucid as a puppet for the Democratic Party. How terrible are the people around Joe Biden that they wouldn't step in? I mean, his wife, whoever, wouldn't step in and say, "Okay, we we have to stop." Well, it reminds me of what happened to Frank Sinatra. Uh, Frank Sinatra was the last, I think, five years that he performed. Uh, and he was selling out arenas in Japan and all over the world. But he was falling down on stage. He was forgetting the lines. He was having a very tough time. But they continued to put him out there on this, this aggressive, rigorous schedule because everyone around him made money. If you're the manager, you don't make money unless Frank Sinatra sings. If you are the, you know, the, the, the arena, you don't make money unless Frank Sinatra sings. All of these people were dependent on that man living on an airplane, traveling around the globe, performing at concerts, and they should have never done it to him. He wasn't physically capable. He wasn't mentally capable of doing it those final years, but they just went ahead and went through it because everyone else lived off the spoils. Well, Joe Biden is the guy who spent his entire career trying to get where he's at, and he only gets the brass ring when he's too demented to enjoy it. But the people around him are the ones who need him there for them to have their power. John Phillips, you're the best, brother. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. We got more. Hang on. Joe Biden doesn't look great. That's not exactly news. It's not exactly breaking news to anybody. He doesn't look great physically. He doesn't sound great when he talks. He looks terrible. I mean, we remember the stairs, right? The stairs.
And like I told you before, I don't take any pleasure in that. As somebody I don't like or not, I don't like watching an old man fall up the stairs, and I don't like watching an old man being taken advantage of either. Joining me now to talk about that and other things is an expert on things like this, Dr. Kelly Victory. Doctor, you're the expert. I'm not an expert. I never pretend to be. I went to community college. Joe <laughs> Biden looks awful. He looks awful when he talks. He looks awful when he walks. He looks awful. What do you see? Yes, and, and let me just, I'll state for the record, I obviously have not ever examined Joe Biden individually. I have no uh, knowledge directly of his physical exam, but I am a trained physician who has powers of observation. Uh, and I, like you, take no joy in reporting any of this. Uh, let's be very clear, Jesse, cognitive decline and dementia in particular are brutal diseases. They're progressive uh, and they rip people of their humanity and they leave behind a shell ultimately of, of who that person used to be. Um, there is no question in my mind uh, as a physician that uh, he evidences many, many signs and symptoms that are worrisome for what I would call Parkinsonian dementia. Uh, and when I say that, we can go through them. Uh, the physical things that I look at as I watch him even walk uh, is a when he starts to ambulate from a sitting position or standing, he has a hard time getting going. It takes a hard time. It's hard for him to begin forward motion, and then it's hard for him to change directions once he does. You'll notice frequently someone will hold to his elbow to help him turn directions, for example. He has a shuffling gait when the he doctor, first starts. Sorry to, sorry to interrupt because I want to get to the rest of these two, but I, I've noticed that too, and I really, I, I mean, as somebody who doesn't know, I want to know why. I mean, even if you want to take Joe Biden out of it, why is that something, what happens there? Why do they have a hard time getting going or moving around? What, what mm -hmm. is happening? These are classic signs of what we would generally lump into Parkinsonian dementia, which doesn't mean he necessarily has Parkinson's, but there is a collage, a constellation of symptoms, both physical and cognitive, that lead us to believe that the diagnosis could be Parkinson's or a Parkinsonian-like dementia. And that includes that difficulty with forward momentum, difficulty changing direction, the shuffling gait, holding your arms more rigidly, what we call tin soldier arms. Whether they are straight or bent at the elbow, they tend to be somewhat mechanical. Um, you see loss of facial expression, what we call masked faces. Um, so that although he was speaking, he has less facial expression than he's had in the past. Um, when you talk about the cognitive things, it's things like difficulty with word finding, stumbling over words, trailing off that idea where you start to speak and then the sentence just trails without uh, coming to a conclusion. Uh, difficulty with tracking, meaning the ability to follow the teleprompter. And as a very concerning sign is what we call some frontal lobe, the part of the brain that normally would control outbursts. You see people say or do things, say things specifically that they wouldn't normally say. So you can recall, for example, during the campaign when Joe Biden uh, told an auto worker to shut up or he re referenced a young woman at a rally uh, or a town hall as a dog-faced pony soldier. Um, I know when my father uh, was first suffering from dementia and we became aware of it was when um, my very conservative father used a curse word that he would never normally have said, and it raised the alarm bells. 
Now, anyone, Jesse, can suffer from any of these things at a particular time. You and I speak for a living. I have days, and I'm sure you do, where for some reason the words just don't flow easily. Or I stumble. You can't come up with a word at that moment in time. Or you have a day where you've got what we call the dropsies. You know, that's what my grandmother would call it, where you drop the car keys and you kick the chair table and you spilled your coffee and you think, what is wrong with me today? But when we see these continually and consistently and progressively and over time, you really do have to come to a conclusion that something is very, very wrong. And there's no question in my mind that they are trying to keep this hidden by limiting Joe Biden's uh, public speaking, for example, and specifically to making sure that he doesn't do anything later in the day. People with dementia frequently suffer from what we call sundowning where the progression of their symptoms gets worse as the day goes on. They may be very, very clear and coherent and quite agile early in the day, and then come three or four o'clock in the afternoon, the wheels fall off the bus. So uh, I think there is some indication that recent uh, appearances, including the recent press conference that was given and there's uh, addressing the nation in the last, some days ago, that. Although those things were aired, uh, I believe, to appear that they happened in the evening, sometime around seven or eight at night, I think there's some evidence that they actually uh, may have been pre-recorded uh, earlier in the day. Um, and I also think that's likely why they are, quote, calling a lid on his appearances quite early. Um, sundowning is a very, very real effect in people with dementia. They can become cognitively quite distressed they become agitated, confused, uh, and difficult to handle as the day goes on. And I suspect that the president, uh, tragically, is starting to suffer from that. Gosh, Doctor, that was absolutely outstanding and extremely informative. Thank you so much, Dr. Kelly Victory. That was awesome. Thanks for having me, Jesse. I mean, you heard what she said. What do you see? Boy, did some of that hit home, huh? All right, we'll be back. You know what I think you and I should do? Uh, every once in a while, I think you and I, I think we should just take a step back and laugh at this whole ridiculous Biden-Harris disastrous situation. And it's not that, when I say laugh, it's not that we don't take it serious. I understand this stuff is deadly serious. We love the United States of America. You're not watching my show right now if you don't have some form of patriotism inside of you. It's not that we're cheering for this, we're not happy about this, but I mean, we are stuck with it. We might as well take a moment every now and then and just laugh. And I realize I'm supposed to be the one that comes on here and brings you the answers, brings you, oh, I've got it all figured out, but I still, just like you do, I still, I tune in and I watch Joe Biden speak, and I watch this bizarre Biden-Harris relationship, and I watch that we're all watching a transition in real time, and I think to myself, oh, how, how did this happen? How in the world did Joe Biden and Kamala Harris beat Donald Trump and Vice, and Vice President Pence? I, I, how did that happen? <laughs> I'll tell you. 
Let's take a moment and smile about it. All right, we'll do it again. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not, I'm not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells, whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint and your carpet. Maybe they're animal smells. Maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever, ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one, get two, be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE that gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com, promo code JESSE. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.